Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so now it can be said. The mystery is solved. Yes, I did miss part of the craziest offseason ever for the Bucks. Did anything happen, Steve Versnick, while I was driving my son to Denver uh, as he was moving out west? I was trying to think, you know, what happened last week? Well, I mean, Tiger Woods went to the Masters to practice. He might play. Yeah. Uh, the Final Four was determined, and now we're down to the National Championship game tonight. Right. Lightning played a few games, looked good for a while, played like crap on Saturday. They did. You're right. Um, yeah, I don't, anything, I don't think that, that about covers it, right? I think that's what about the team. What about the team I cover? Did anything happen with the team I cover? Hmm. It's the off season. I, what would happen? I don't know. Any retirements of late? Unretirements of late? Would Brady retire again? No. Don't believe so. Gronk? Is he back? Not yet. No. Oh, wait, I remember. They changed head coaches while I was gone. What? Yeah, what? What is right? Bruce Arians out. Todd Bowles in. And if you had this on your offseason bingo card, congratulations, because you definitely won the money. Listen, I've seen some changes in this organization. We went through five coaches in ten years at one point. And, yes, Two years ago, it was a shock when Tom Brady picked Tampa Bay uh, as his uh, new team after leaving New England after 20 years and then winning a Super Bowl. Goodness gracious, if you, I, I, did, I did not see it coming this year. I will say this, and we have written about this, we have talked about this, that Bruce Arians, of course, is going to turn 70 in October, October 3rd. He was not going to coach forever. It, it surprised me a little bit when we were – you know, in the off season, talking about guys like Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin, maybe being the quarterbacks of this football team. Yes, they were in it for Deshaun Watson. Arians made it clear that there was probably little chance that would happen here, and we've seen the pushback in Cleveland since they signed him or traded for him. But I really am—I I was surprised because I did feel that with Tom Brady coming back, Bruce Arians um, a chance to you know, even further his resume, perhaps win another Super Bowl. This is what coaches live for, uh, regardless of whether he's 70. I remember him telling me one time, he goes, oh, you know, Andy Reid and I aren't that different in age, but Andy will coach till he's 80 as long as Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, it makes sense that you would go as long as Tom Brady is your quarterback. Not so fast, my friend. And I think he has made it clear. We're going to get into all the conspiracy theories, all the Tom Brady stuff. But I'm here to tell you that um, this is something that as I go backwards and put the pieces together, going back to the combine, I can see where he was preparing to do something like this. Now, at the combine, he did not know Tom Brady necessarily was going to unretire there was the leave the light on and all that stuff that jason light told but clearly 
and even Arian said this, they were in constant communication, right? They were checking in all the time with Tom Brady and vice versa. So they had some sense that Brady was maybe going to change his mind or at least keeping the, the, you know, the lines of communication open. I also believe now that I think Arians was prepared to coach if Kyle Trask was the quarterback and or Blaine Gabbert or whatever. Um, he even talked about the challenge of that a little bit. And this is before any free agent is signed, et cetera. We hadn't reached free agency yet. But he was not as involved at the combine as he usually is in terms of interviews, in terms of getting around like they had a golf cart for him. And and I know he has said that, no, this is not about health. My health is fine. And I don't think it is about his health. But I will say this, that there were already signs that he was doing less than he normally would do, right, with the Achilles, with whatever, um, and kind of pulling away. So, it, And he has said that he was thinking about this at the Combine. And what I really do believe, and, and again, we'll talk about Brady and all the conspiracy theories, I do think that this is something he has thought about a long time. Todd Bowles, he didn't expect to be here uh, after three years into his coaching situation with the Bucks. Really thought he'd be hired two years ago, was sure he'd be hired last year. Same thing with Byron Leftwich. Now all these guys are back. Um, he certainly didn't know that Brady was going to come back. It might have had a good inkling that it might happen, but it hadn't happened by the Combine. And I do believe that whatever friction there was or hasn't been or may have been between Brady and Arians did not prevent Tom Brady from coming back to Tampa Bay and would not have stopped him from playing on Arians this year. I don't think it's possible. We'll get into why I think that in a minute. At the end of the day, succession is something that has been talked about with the Bucks. I know how these meetings go at the end of the year. He's going to turn 70. He probably didn't plan on coaching beyond this season anyway. Um, they would have wanted to secure their future from an ownership standpoint for the next head coach, right? Um, they were lucky in that Bowles and Leftwich were not hired this year. They're both back, including the entire coaching staff. So if you play it out and you say Arians is the head coach, Brady plays one more year, Brady retires again, this time for real. Now you have no quarterback. Now, now, you know, Bruce Arians is going to retire at age 70. He wants to turn it over to his longtime assistant. That may have happened, but what kind of a team was he leaving him? From what I understand, this is exactly what Bruce Arians wanted to do when he left Arizona, and he wasn't able to do it. He wanted a front office job. He wanted them to hire one of his guys. They chose to go another direction. So now he gets his chance and he does it. And I'm looking back at what the toll is of him coaching a football team every day. I get it now. And I should have seen the signs that this was coming sooner than later. When he described it in the press conference, and Joey and I talked about this on Friday's podcast. Yeah. We all thought it was the, you know, he, why would he want to coach Kyle Trask this year? Yeah. Why would he stick around for that? Right. But if the goal is to hand off the team to your assistants, who 
he thought should have been hired by now weren't. Mm-hmm. So they're back here. What team are you leaving them? We thought it was a selfish thing of, I don't want to break in a new quarterback and, you know, probably don't have a shot to win a Super Bowl if Kyle Trask is your starter this year. So why would he want to do that? But it was actually more, I'll stick around and coach it because I'm not going to stick one of my assistants who I want to succeed mm-hmm. to make that their first year coaching here. Right. And instead, once Brady came back, then it became the, now I can hand off a team that's got a chance to succeed. So that Todd Bowles has a shot to win. You know, in, in New York, it didn't go quite as well as you'd hoped. If your second coaching gig doesn't go very well, you're probably not getting a third. Right. Especially as a defensive coach in today's NFL. Right. So as we were looking at it selfishly from Bruce's perspective, he was looking at it as unselfishly to how I best hand off this team to my assistants who, for whatever reason, and he doesn't believe that it should have happened this way, but they're still here. He thought they would have already been hired away. Yeah, no, all that makes sense. And and I think that, you know, it, it, if he, he was willing to coach Trask and try to develop him and, or whatever they would do this next season, I think he was more likely to coach than not if Brady had not come back. Now, I'm not naive to think that Brady didn't catch wind of this either after he announced it. But according to some people I talked to with the organization, they told Brady um, – either the day that he announced his retirement or the day on retirement or the day after, like right around the time he said, Hey, I'm coming back. They said, great. Oh, by the way. And that was not a game changer. Like people are painting this as an ultimatum that Brady presented. It was not. And I'll tell you why I believe that there's a lot of reasons, but first and foremost, that's not Tom Brady style. And I know that, you know, there was a, a column uh, in Boston I think over the weekend, like they can't believe that Brady, you know, shivved uh, Bruce Arians. What a selfish guy. Like they're turning on Brady like you can't believe it really as soon as he left Boston and New England. But they're turning on him like crazy up there right now um, and and essentially saying, you know, you just you just tossed a guy overboard. Um, but really, when you think about it, it's not Brady's style, right? Like think about what he would have had to have done, Okay. And Rich Eisen talked about this on NFL Network. It's completely true. Okay, Brady would have had had such you know discourse with Bruce Arians that he would have told the organization and, and mostly the owners and or Jason Light, "Hey, I will play, but not for that guy." All right, and so you follow that and you go, "Oh, okay. Well, that's a that's a hell of a demand. I mean, at some level." That's going to get out, right? And there had been, you know, all these stories, and there seemed to be one a day. And Bruce got very upset about, you know, the idea that he, had, him, and Brady's relationship had soured, and redlining the game plan against the Rams, and all of that. That that he was so irritated, he called me and said, "What do I do?" And I wrote a story about it, and he, he, you know, basically lost it and said, I'm, "I've had enough. This none of this happened." Okay, but for Brady, so. First of all, I think he had another plan because he's the most prepared player in the history of the NFL, not to mention sports. And I think that plan fell through, and I think it had something to do with ownership in the Dolphins. That's my belief. 
I know that Florida reported it. He, you know, the Dolphins were trying to hire, um, you know, Sean Payton of the Saints. They admitted that um, there is a relationship not just with Stephen Ross, but also another minority owner that Brady is very close to. Uh, and, and so something went wrong, or at least was an option. Even Jeff Darlington reported this that hey, it was something he was looking into. It doesn't mean that that was the only thing he was looking into, but it was. So he got the itch he wants to play again. Does he say to the Bucs, I will play if Bruce Arians isn't my coach? I don't think so because it's not his style, right? He's not, he's not going to put himself in the position of, of ejecting somebody like Bruce Arians, who he won a Super Bowl with, who took him on when he was looking for a team with New England um, and won 29 games in two years. What Brady would do is something to the, to the level of, hey, um, I'm thinking about playing. I think we can win. Uh, obviously, I'm coming back to Tampa because you guys own my rights. But I, I think we should do this, 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 and this. And maybe some of those things just simply aren't what Bruce Arians believe in, right? Like maybe it's an I-formation fullback, Okay. It could be anything. Like We're going to run the ball. We need to run the ball more. I can't throw it 700 times. I'm going to be 45 years old. So there are things that maybe Bruce wouldn't be comfortable with. But even if that were the case and he felt like, you know what, Tom wants to do something different. I don't feel comfortable with it. Time for me. Even beyond that, like, again, I don't think it's an ultimatum because if Brady decided that, so you're going to tell me that he's going to unretire, right, write a flowering several paragraphs when Bruce retires. And then the man is going to show up at Bruce Arians' press conference and sit right in front of him while Bruce talks about their relationship, even though he supposedly is a guy that ordered the code red. I mean, you'd have to be, a, as Rich Eisen, you have to be a sociopath to do that. That top Brady's not putting himself in that position. I know he didn't answer questions, by the way, the other day, but so what? He's just not going to do that. It's not, you know, I don't see a planet where that fits his M.O., um, you know, especially with a coach that has given him and an organization has given him everything he's asked for to win, including all the free agents they, they resigned um, after he decided to come back. So none of that makes sense to me. Were they in agreement with everything? No. Um this is more about Bruce Arians and who he is and everything he has done. You know, you talk about the Hall of Fame, and if he wins the second Super Bowl, he, it seems like he would be a shoe and He might win. He might be a Hall of Famer anyway after 40 years in football. Um, but what his legacy really is, is inclusiveness. Look at the composition of his coaching staff. Look at the guys like Bowles who have been with him since they were players at Temple. Look at the responsibility he has taken for them and their careers and their families. And now you look at, you know, three coordinators that were all African-American hiring two female full-time assistants. Now you have a head coach and co-defensive coordinators and an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, all African-Americans, along with you know, him championing females in coaching. To Bruce Arians, that's his legacy. And from what I understand, he wanted this sort of situation with the Cardinals. He didn't get it. He wanted to go to the front office. They moved away from him. They didn't hire one of his guys. They went a different direction. 
But now he gets to fulfill what really matters to him. And to him, that's his legacy. He said it up there on the podium, and I believe him because Bruce doesn't mince words. I don't give a damn about the Hall of Fame. Now, would he be happy to have a bus with a Kangol hat? Yes. That would be cool as hell for everybody, including him and his family. And he probably deserves it regardless of whether he coaches another game or not. But I do think he realizes his legacy is bigger than a bus in Canton, Ohio. It's especially in these times when the history and the record of the NFL is not good to say the very least when it comes to coaching and minorities. How does Todd Bowles survive out there without getting a job after the job he has done? Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm taking him at his word at this point. Doesn't mean that they, him and Brady saw eye to eye or Brady's not going to embrace this because I think he will. We can talk about the changes I think there will be with this football team. But I'm totally on board, and I've talked to enough people close to Brady that I trust that – you know, again, he did not order the code red, no matter what anybody says. Is he against what's happening? No. Is he going to embrace it? Yes. Oh, and by the way, Bruce Arians is still part of the organization that he supposedly wouldn't want him to be part of. I mean, he's going to be in the front office now. He's going to be on the cart at practices. Hell, he didn't know what his job is, but he's going to be there every day. He's going to have a handprint on this football team. So if Tom really didn't want him around, well, he's around. So, you know, I it was fascinating to me, but I, I just think all these conspiracy theories and things are just out of line. They usually are. I mean, you know, going to Miami. You know, thinking about this, and, and we talked about it last week some while you were gone, but you're going to go to Miami. So you left New England after 20 years because you didn't agree with everything Bill Belichick did, which is not right. natural and normal. So you come to Tampa and you have a different coach in Bruce Arians and you don't like that according to the conspiracy theories. So you're going to go to Miami where it's a first-time head coach? You don't even know what you're getting into. You think mm. Tom Brady's going to do that? No. No. I mean, you know, you may like the guy. He may know the guy. It's a first-time head coach. You think Brady's going to that situation? No way. Not the most prepared guy in the NFL. Yep. I mean, you know, he came into Tampa Bay knowing what Bruce Arians was about. May not agree with everything that happened. May not have liked some of the comments that Bruce Arians made or other things. But you, you don't think he didn't talk to Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer and many others? Sure. He knew exactly what he was walking into. Mm-hmm. And he probably called about Jason Light. And, of course, Jason was in the New England organization for a little bit, so he had some insight there, too. There's no way he was going to Miami. I mean, you know, it's nice to dream. And now the ownership part of Miami, if that was a possibility this offseason, that one I could believe. Yeah. For all the reasons we've stated from Stephen Ross and, and, you know, Tom Brady's building a house down there. And, you know, I think at some point he would like to be in ownership somewhere. I could absolutely see that. But conspiracy theories, I mean, there may be a little bit of truth to things like, did Bruce and Tom see eye to eye and everything? Probably not. No. Mm. But does a quarterback and head coach see eye to eye and everything all the time? Nope. Nope. Happens all the time. There's a reason you're a coach and there's a reason you're a player. Steven Stamkos may have been benched the other night on a power play. You think he, he might sees have been. Eye, you think he sees eye to eye with Cooper on that? Mm-mm. But do they respect each other and, and work together? Yeah, of course. 
You think Stephen Samkos is looking to leave the team because of that? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, it happened. I mean, there's, you're the coach. You're the quarterback. You're the wide receiver. You're the, you know, everybody's got to play their roles. You don't always see it. You don't see eye to eye with your boss all the time. Just because you don't see eye to eye on one thing today doesn't mean you're quitting. Or most of the time it doesn't for people. Right. Here's the other thing. People say this. So like, the weirdest thing is that Arians waited until he knew Brady was coming back, and then he decided to retire. And that sounds strange, except it's happened before. In fact, it's happened with a guy that in Tampa we're all too familiar with. It happened with Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy won a Super Bowl. They beat the Chicago Bears and his good friend, Lovey Smith. They, this, he was thinking about quitting then, like going out on top. First African-American to win a Super Bowl, pretty much locked up his Hall of Fame candidacy, all of that. And he was, I've talked to him about this. He legitimately thought, this is the time to walk away. Okay? Except that, which is typical about after winning a Super Bowl, there was so much excitement and so much of him that other players and everybody was talking about, let's run it back. We can do this. Let's, let's win it again. Okay. And you get caught up in the euphoria of winning a Super Bowl that you want that feeling again. And you think you can do it because you had the best team in football. So against what his original plans were, because I've talked to him about this, Dungy decided, okay, I'm all in. Let's go. Let's run it back. And then they, they tried and they didn't make it. Okay. All right, they still had a really good football team. Really good. And yet, Tony Dungy wanted one of his successors, one of his guys to be a successor to him in Indianapolis. One of the guys that was like a protege, right? Uh, or he of, he of them. So he said to Ursay, hey, I'm going to quit. I'm stepping away. But we're gonna, what we should do, and what, what he convinced him to do was, we're going to name Jim Caldwell the head coach. I'm going to step out with a, with a really good football team, a Hall of Fame quarterback in Peyton Manning, who maybe didn't see eye to eye all the time with Tony Dungy anyway, but nonetheless, they had won a Super Bowl together, respected Dungy immensely. I'm not saying it was a Brady thing, but, you know, iconic celebrity quarterback, steps aside quits, doesn't go to the front office, hands it over to Jim Caldwell. Oh, by the way, how did Jim Caldwell do? They won the AFC and went to the Super Bowl. And they were beaten, I believe, by New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember if that was the one or not. But the point is, Tony Dungy did exactly the same thing. He retired at a time where he knew that Jim Caldwell could be his successor and he was leaving him a Hall of Fame quarterback and a really good football team. And the proof of that is they went to the AFC Championship game and went to the Super Bowl and won it, went to the Super Bowl. It's, there's a lot of similarities there. You know? Why would, you know, who champions minorities in head coaching ranks more than Tony Dungy and Bruce Arians? It's the same situation in many ways. Only difference is Peyton Manning hadn't retired and then unretired. 
That's the only difference. And Jim Caldwell was a hell of a coach that might otherwise might not have been given that opportunity with that football team. And I've talked to Tony who said, I wanted to leave it better than what I found it. And what he found from Jim Mora was not a good football team and a quarterback that I believe had either led the NFL in interceptions the year before or, or two years before that. Peyton Manning was far from a finished product. So this has been done. And I'm sorry, maybe I'm gullible, but I'm buying, I'm drinking this Kool-Aid. I'm, and that doesn't mean that I don't think Brady always saw eye to eye with Arians or he's upset about this because I don't think he is. I don't think Brady is the least bit rattled by this. You know, that's the other thing. Like Tom Brady, if they did tell him at the time he decided to retire or the day after, he could have easily said, whoa, wait a minute. You're changing the head coach on me? I've just decided to play again? So clearly he's not against this move, right? It wasn't his idea necessarily, but he's not against it. And there's probably good reason why, okay? Because, and it's ironic, right? Because, and Todd Bowles said it after the press conference, look, I blew it against the Rams in those final couple calls, but I was trying to win the game. I'm not going to tell you, I, I, you know, I wasn't, the, there were other plays that I thought were, more indicative of why we lost than those. But at the end of the day, it's like Todd Bowles is going to be hands-on all the time. Okay? Start with the fact that he's calling the defense. He's a head coach who's going to call the defense. Going to call it. Got two co-defensive coordinators in Casey Rogers and Larry Foote. So he's got lots of help because he knows he also has to pay attention to the offensive side of the ball. Okay, and no matter what you think about Bruce Arians, the fact of the matter is he was a CEO head coach, admittedly, did not sit in on the offensive meetings, could go to any of them if he wanted to, did not sit on the defensive meetings, didn't do the game, didn't do the game plan. That was all up to Byron Leftwich and Brady. Um, Didn't write scripts for practice until midnight every day. He drove around on his golf cart. He was the voice of in the conscience of the football team. He cussed guys out when they needed it. He hugged them up when they needed that too. And he set the tone each week and had the headset and could veto plays if he wanted to. But he was a CEO head coach, period. Todd Bowles is not going to be that. So if something slipped through the cracks under Bruce Arians, whatever the attention to detail was, you got a hands-on guy now who gets to work at 3.30 in the morning, okay? That's not what Bruce Arians was doing, nor, nor necessarily should he have done at age 70. So what is, what, is, what is really Brady getting? He's getting a guy that he knew was prepared because he played against him all those years in New York for four seasons twice a year. He's getting a guy who, you know, gets the most out of his players and can communicate in a different way than Arians, in a sarcastic way at times to get his point across. But he has relationships, and and he's so well-regarded and so repaired. But he's not going to let anything slip through the cracks. He's going to outwork everybody, as he always has. Um, And he's prepared for this. And if Brady didn't think this was a good thing, it probably wouldn't have happened. If Brady was like, hey, yo, I'm going to come back, but only if that guy is the head coach, only if Arians is the head coach. I'm not going to play for a defensive-minded 
head coach from the Jets that I used to whip the tar out of for four years when I was with New England. If he had felt that way, Bruce Arians would be coaching. So I think in some ways Brady definitely embraces this, not in a it's my way or or I'm you know you know if he's a coach I'm out of here, but there's going to be things that Todd Bowles believes in that Brady probably wants it implemented, and pro- Brady probably made it known that hey, and one of those is I think we got to run the football more and more successfully. We have to commit to it because at age 45. I'm not dropping back 716 times to throw the football. I'm not doing it. You know, we got to help our defense. We got to keep them fresh, you know. And so there's certain things that Bowles probably buys into that's more aligned with the way Brady played and the way he thinks you should win games. I don't, again, I don't think it's a deal breaker. I don't think that it's like, you know, I prefer Todd Bowles over Bruce Arians necessarily. I just think it's going to be different, and I think Brady's going to embrace this. Um, and not from a personality standpoint, but from a schematic standpoint, uh, from a preparation standpoint. He's going to play one more year. Beyond this, who knows? He retired once, right? So he's all in. This, and he said as much. They've re-signed 12 of their free agents, I think, 11, 12 of their free agents already, and he had a hand in most of those guys. He's It's a zero-sum game with him. And he's got a coach that, you know, continuity is there. Not going to let any details slip by. And I think he's extremely comfortable with Todd Bowles being the coach. And I think Bruce Arians was aware of that as well. And everybody wins. I don't see who the loser is here. I don't, I don't think the organization is bad for it. I will say this. Todd Bowles has some big expectations this year. And it's going to be hard for him to achieve them. And in many ways, he's in, a, he's in a position where it's better than having no quarterback. But you're expected to win it all, period. And so the bar is really, really high. Coaches won't complain, as he said. I'm not going to complain about having a talented football team. I'm not. But there's a really big expectation for Bowles to achieve this year. And that is, as it always is with Brady, Super Bowl or bust. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One final thing, and it started the press conference. I thought it was interesting. The Glazers announcing that Bruce Arians will go into the team's ring of honor. And, you know, I think I saw a stat where he's won five playoff games, including a Super Bowl. That's as many as all the coaches combined. I believe it was uh, six for the Minus total. one. It yeah. was six yep. for all of the others. Yeah. So six, you know, the field, five for Bruce Arians. So he'll go into the ring of honor and it's well-deserved. And Jason Light said when he hired him, his goal was to uh, to have a statue outside of Raymond James Stadium. I don't know if they're going to get a statue. He knew that what that would mean. Well, he's going to get in the ring of honor, and that's a pretty big deal that they're doing it right away. So I was at the Lightning game on Friday, 
they played really well against Chicago. It was cool, um, you know, just just to see them in action again. And the stadium was lit. There was a lot of Chicago fans there as well. Um, but that was that was a fantastic game. And then they turned around and did not play a fantastic game against Marty St. Louis, Montreal Canadiens. So Friday they you know they played well against Chicago. That's a bad team. Um, and the Lightning did what you're supposed to do. Montreal is not a very good team either, although they're playing better under Marty St. Louis. They're playing harder. It's a fast team. You know, Brian Engblom brought up a great point on the postgame show on the radio. He probably brought it up on TV too, but obviously I didn't hear that. But he said that game was a different game because he goes, there wasn't one hit late in that game. It was pure speed up and down the ice. And it's something you're not used to. And for some guys on the Lightning, I mean, that pretty much eliminates one of your lines, the Belmar, Perry, Maroon line, who don't skate very well. That's right, yeah. If there's no hits going on and it's a fast up-and-down-the-ice game, that line's eliminated from your from doing much. And so it was just a different game. And, and But the amount of bad blind passes they made in that game you know they so for the last few games point kucherov and stamkos have been online together and they've played very well but what happens with that line is they start playing too cute eventually and they did on saturday night tons of blind passes getting intercepted for odd man rushes the other way including stamkos giving up one that ended up a goal that tied the game the next power play the Lightning have, Stamkos was not on the ice for that. He was sitting on the bench, didn't play the last 4-10 of the second period. And then when they started the third period, he was on a different line. Hmm. And, and we've seen Cooper do this before. He, If you remember a couple of years ago, he benched Kucherov. Kucherov had made two really bad puck-handling mistakes at the blue line where you can't make that. That led to two goals for the other team. And Kutras was benched for the rest of the game. Now, he didn't do that with Stamkos on Saturday night, but I have to assume that the message was received by the team. And, yeah, for sure. You know, they can't play that sloppy. They can't. And Brian Elliott was fantastic on Saturday. Fantastic. And he gave up four goals. And he was fantastic. Mm hmm. So. Uh, you have those duds every once in a while. I don't know why. I, you know, we'll see what they do tonight against Toronto. You got a big week. Toronto's at home. Then you go to Washington, and then you have Boston at home. And then you get the Sabers at home uh, over the weekend. But that's a. I mean, those are three playoff teams. Yeah. Any one of those could be you could face in the first round of the playoffs. Washington's less likely, but. You'd have to win the number one seed and then the crossover, but or or the Lightning become the wild card team and crossover to to play Washington. But I mean, these are three good teams now. Let's see how the Lightning respond after playing two teams that had nothing to lose, and you know, and Montreal wasn't coming off a back to back. The Lightning were those. That's an excuse because yeah, as Cooper said, look, teams do this all the time. You know. Against Chicago, Chicago was coming off a back-to-back. The Lightning weren't on Friday night, and it showed. So I I don't worry about the Lightning in this because the four games prior, they played really well. 
particularly in the third periods. They were shutting teams down, which is what they've done in their past two title runs. Yeah. Saturday night, bad night. They just didn't finish. They were up 2 nothing. Then I, I go downstairs. I come back upstairs. A few minutes later, it's 3-3. They go up 4-3. I'm thinking, this is in hand. Then they allow them to tie it. And they go in overtime, had some good looks, and didn't get it done there. And they lose. And it just seemed like they should have fished off Chicago, who is rebuilding at best. I think they were 10-9-3 when they came into the building with Marty. Under yep. Marty. Um, so they've gotten better. But they're doing it with a bunch of young guys. They've got rid of a lot of players. Yeah, they're playing their young guys and seeing what they got. I mean, yeah, what, what they is, should do what in you should situation. Do. Yeah, yeah, it's the right thing to do. And they're playing hard and they're fast, yep. playing the way you would expect a Mario St. Louis team to play. How about this though? How about um, the black uh, against the uh, Blackhawks? Was there a better play this year than the second goal by Ross Colton with the pass? No look between the legs. That was beautiful. Nick, oh my goodness! Nick Paul had one recently too that was just as good. Oh, they were—I mean, some fantastic plays. Uh, Nick Paul, I really like Nick Paul. He's a good player. Brendan Hagel still doesn't look comfortable yet, and right. that could be for lots of reasons. But Nick Paul, big, can skate better than we thought, and that John Cooper's even said that. Yeah. Um, you know, now he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, so it'll be interesting what the Lightning try to do with him, but. I really like him a lot. And then how about you were there Friday night. How about the tribute for Tyler Johnson? That was so cool. I've heard some ovations. Obviously, Yanni Gord got a huge one, if not the biggest one. But that had to be close second, right? And there were a lot of Chicago fans there. But, I mean, just the Lightning fans. What And you think you talk about a player that got it started and was part of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You remember that line that he was on with Palat? The triplets. Um, Yeah, the triplets. I mean, that. That was everything. But, yeah, that was, to me, I, I was looking forward to that moment as much. I told my daughters as we were going in, I go, you know, at some point they're going to have a tribute to Tyler. And it was everything you could have hoped for. Um, really, the Lightning have done this better than anything I've seen this year. Like all these players that have moved on, uh, but then come back, get their rings, all that. But then the the tributes and, and the ovation that they get, and the genuine warmth from the lightning fans and he deserves all of it because he was a hell of a player through no fault of his own uh he ends up in chicago but was here for so long that um obviously he'll always be remembered as a lightning player but yeah i thought that was so cool i mean i was glad i was in the building when that happened that was neat in 2015 he was the best player in the playoffs when the lightning went to the stanley cup final yes and if he didn't break his hand oh yeah maybe they win that what might have happened right maybe they win that series because he, I mean, he didn't play the same in that final as he did the, the three rounds prior when he was the best player for the Lightning. Period. Right. Exactly. Nah, he was he was really great, and um, that was it was a it was a fun night. It was a fun game. Didn't play as well the next night, but you know they're in this stretch, and we'll see what happens. We've got a tradition like no other. The Masters past beautiful Butler Cabin across Amen Corner and Tiger Woods. May decide to play. Game time decision. Game day decision. Now, does that mean he gets a tea time and then decides if he wants to show up or not? Or how, <laughs> right? does, that, how does that work with that? How does that work? I know how it works in football. But yeah, football, but you have an extra group on the roster. I mean, if he drops out, does someone else take his spot? Or is it just. I don't you know. know. That, it's that, a good point. 
that group just has one less golfer in it for the first for two rounds. Perhaps. I don't know how that works. Yeah, perhaps. But I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you? I mean, I don't know if he could make it through the weekend. I mean, that's first of all, it's a lot of walking on that bad leg and all that. The last time we saw him play was with Charlie Woods, but I cannot fathom how cool that would be to see Tiger Woods after what he has been through, almost losing his life in a car accident, obviously shattering his ankle and all of that. Um, for him to play the Masters would just be amazing because I don't think anybody expected it. In a year where, by the way, Phil Mickelson is not playing. By the way, shout out to Bob Herrick, who's getting all kinds of run for the book that he wrote about Tiger and Phil, uh, which is an outstanding book. Our former colleague of the Tampa Bay Times, now with ESPN, uh, their golf writer, and um, New York Post has written a story about it. I saw a couple other uh, mentions. It's a good time to do it, right, because Mickelson is now sort of persona non grata when it comes to the tour at this point, not playing in the Masters, and, uh, and Tiger is back. But their relationship is really... Uh, been unique to say the very least a great rivalry uh, and not as close as you think it might be at times although there were times where they seemed to have gotten along but Bob Herrick doesn't we should probably have I should probably have Bob on one time I probably will uh, before it gets too late but uh, this is a great week for it but yeah I mean Tiger Woods playing the Masters something that I never really expect I listen I didn't you know you never count him out but I mean, really playing golf again that in and of itself and he plays with Charlie, um, which you understood why they did that in that tournament, the pairings that they had. But then to come back and, and think he's actually potentially, and it's not done deal, but potentially going to play in the Masters again is just beyond, it's beyond anybody's imagination that he could do that. But you never, ever, ever, ever count Tiger Woods out or limit him to what you think he can do because he will surprise you. So, yeah, it's a great week. Uh, with golf, with, uh, of course, tonight we have the national championship game, Kansas against North Carolina. That'll be a good one. Mike Krzyzewski's career ends at the hands of the Tar Heels. Yeah. Incredible. Losing to losing to North Carolina. But this Carolina team, they came out of nowhere, man. They were a bubble team a month ago. Yeah. I mean, I... I really had discounted them all together until they got into the tournament, and then all of a sudden they turn it on, and here they are in the championship, which it's fun to see Roy Williams up there you know, going nuts watching his former uh, Tar Heels team win game after game. Really close game with Duke the other night. Uh, disappointing for Krzyzewski. Of course, I thought he would go out on top. I thought they would, they would somehow find a way to win this tournament and send him out that way, but you know, not a bad run, to say the least, for Coach K, and getting to the national semifinal and, and uh, probably horrible for him that they lost to their rivals, North Carolina. I think I saw with the series going into that was something like 50 to 49. It's 50, um, 50 now. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, they played, you know, or coach, all those with times the games coach K even, coached. I mean, this is yeah. the overall series is more than that, but right, right. For coach K, not for North Carolina and Duke, but for coach K. So that's how close it was. But, um, Fantastic basketball game. So, yeah, we got national championship game. Congratulations hey. to South Carolina yes. on the women's national championship. They did, knocking off UConn. Of course, South Carolina was, I believe, wire-to-wire number one in the AP poll all year. So, Yeah, really good incredible. And, and, and they are now, they are now the, uh, the top of the 
women's college basketball world. There's no question about that. Yes, they are. And you, you forgot one other thing this week. Opening day. That's right. This Friday, right? Well, baseball will be Thursday. The Rays don't open till Friday. Okay. So, but Thursday is opening day. Spring training wrapping up this week here in Florida and Arizona, of course. We'll have mm-hmm. Mark Topkin on later this week to preview the season. Austin Meadows left Sunday's game with left and right quad tightness. Mm. Yeah, that's not a good sign. And he didn't. There was nothing he did, although he said it's uh, maybe from driving too much this spring. Which I, is your quad driving tight? too much? That's what he said. Are, you, are your quads tight there, Rick? I was going to say, if that's the case, then I'm not sure I can move light, right or left because, I mean, when you talk about driving now, 1,800 miles, I am – your body changes when you spend that much time in anything sitting, and mine certainly did. So, yeah, I'm trying to recover from it. So, no, take an airplane flight or something because that driving stuff, man, that is overrated. I can't imagine how people do that for a living. It's just incredible to me. So, um, hopefully, he'll be back. We'll see. We got uh, they play the Baltimore Orioles. Obviously, they open with a three game series or four game series against them. Well, the good thing is the Rays have enough outfielders. If he can't go on opening day, they so. do. They do. And I kind of thought Mez might be traded. To be honest with you, but then again, I thought Kiermaier might be traded. I, I think there's still a chance both of them could be. Maybe, maybe it's not yeah. before opening day, but right. Yeah, it certainly looks like they got a surplus of outfielders, and and yet, um, well, you know, it's probably not going to happen by Friday, but we'll see. So yeah, busy week uh, as well as your mailbag. You can send your questions in anytime you want to. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. My thanks of always uh, to Steve Versnick for uh, hanging in there with me while I made my way to Denver and nothing happened, thank God, except the whole organization changed. Yeah, I'm glad you took so, my call. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, yeah, I can do a podcast. You just have to give me a few minutes. I'm driving yeah. in somewhere in Kansas. I yeah. don't know where I'm at. And so then, I called and Rick, and I said, uh, hey, you want to come on tonight? You go, for what? <laughs> I go, uh, Bruce Arians just retired. You go, what? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> he what? <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, it was everywhere. Uh, my thanks to Peter King and Sam Farmer, my good friend, for breaking that story. <clears throat> Room service. Um, I did not get such a call. But not that I'm bitter about it, but I'm very hurt nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, that was that was one of those, you know, where were you when? I was somewhere in Kansas. That's all I can tell you. Uh, when that occurred and um, uh, spent spent the next three hours or so on the phone trying to help my colleague Joey Knight, who did such a great job uh, covering my backside there. But you know what? It just goes to show you, you can't take a day off. Like, what was I thinking? Three days, not a chance. I was actually kind of relieved. Like, So, you know, Arians left the owners' meetings in Palm Beach after a brief appearance, and they said that... Uh, well, they did. That was for personal reasons, but we'd kind of been led to believe maybe there was some, you know, a stomach problem, whatever. So that was sort of suspicious enough. But then, you know, I think it was Joe Glazer spoke for about all of six minutes total, and we get him once a year. And there just wasn't a lot there, there, right? We went down to Palm Beach, Joey covered it. And I was kind of like, for the first time, I was like, you know what? I don't know when the last time I missed an NFL owners' meetings. But I'm really glad I didn't go there because there was just it was a nothing burger. There was 
you know, thank goodness I'm, uh, I'm spending a little more time with my son as he moves out to Denver. And then, bam, what could go wrong? Everything. And, you know, they changed the organization again. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. But, again, I'm back, back in the saddle, ready to go. We've got a new regime. We've got Todd Bowles. Um, check out uh, my Twitter feed as well for some of the key important dates coming up uh, with the start of the offseason workout program. Of course, the NFL draft is going to be coming up soon, uh, OTAs, a mandatory mini camp. Um, so all that's uh, – you can find that in my Twitter and, and uh, really anywhere. The NFL printed a bunch of schedules for the offseason, so we got all of that. So good to be back uh, again. Lots going on. Major League Baseball, opening day, all of that. We'll have it this week. Check us out. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 